Ben said, this morning we're carrying on with our series of we all need a dot, dot, dot. And as uh, Ben has said, we're going to be looking at Barnabas today. And I'll give you a little bit of an introduction into to Barnabas in just a moment. But I don't know if any of you, are you getting into the holiday season? I know some of the kids, kind of youth, finishing school. Some people are like, no, I've got another eight weeks for my holidays booked. But hang in there. Summer's here. The sun is out. It doesn't get much better than this. We've been away this week. We've been to the Lake District, which is brilliant. We had sun and thunder, so we had all of the best of British weather in a couple of days, which was really nice. Um, but I've had a little bit of spare time on my hands this week, and I've, uh, I've watched a couple of documentaries. Now, this can go one or two ways. Some of you think, Rob, that's really cool. I really respect you for that. Some of you thinking, oh, no. But I don't know if any of you have seen on the BBC uh, a documentary that's just come on called Full Steam Ahead. Some, some of you saying, oh, where, where are we going with this? It's about steam engines. Um, <laughs> some of you, that might flick your switch of these years, it might not. Um, but I did have a train set when I was younger, so when I saw it, I thought, oh, I'll have a watch of this. Uh, but it's all about the steam revolution, but that, that's a side point. But <laughs> when I've been watching these documentaries this week with a bit of time off, I feel like God's really been speaking to me. <laughs> I should buy a steam engine. Beck, we're going on the rails now. I really feel like kind of God's just been speaking to me about the time that we live in and, you know, this kind of year of, I guess, 2016, and just how privileged we are to live in this time now. And when I was watching this documentary, it was talking about um, a lot of the industries being coal mining and slate mining, and it just made me think, you know, if I was around, if I lived 200 years ago, I would not have anywhere near the opportunities that I have today. Another one was on the First World War, and I was looking at some of the ages, the different soldiers, and I was thinking, wow, what a privileged time we live in, in a day and an age where we've got freedom. You know, we look around the world, there's the persecuted church in China, and they can't meet freely like we do. And I just felt like God was saying, you know, just count your blessings. We live in a real privileged time. And that actually we've got so many opportunities that people, you know, even a hundred years ago would have fought for, you know, would have really fought for. So this morning as we look at this, this idea of we all need a Barnabas, I want you to look at look at it through the lens of actually we live in a time where we can meet up as Christians, where we can get alongside one of each other without the fear of being persecuted, that we can meet up like this as the, as the body of Christ and not worry about being attacked for our faith. And I think we should really make the most of this time and this season that we live in. So to throw up my title, I haven't just got one reason why we need a Barnabas, but this morning I've got seven reasons we need a Barnabas, not to try and top anyone else. But when I was reading through kind of the life and the story of Barnabas, there were a few things that jumped out at me, and I was like, you know what, we don't have to cover them all. So uh, please <laughs> bear with me this morning. If you brought a notepad, this is the dream. Seven points. You can uh, make some really good, solid notes. So seven reasons that we need a Barnabas. And this morning, I'm going to be reading predominantly out of the book of Acts. And for those of you that aren't familiar with the book of Acts, it comes just after the four Gospels of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And it's the time after Jesus has been on earth, he's been crucified, and he's been resurrected, and he's ascended back into heaven. And in the book of Acts, we see it's a time where the disciples and a lot of the apostles are finding their own sort of spiritual faith. It's a time when the Holy Spirit is doing some amazing things where literally thousands of people are getting saved on a daily basis. We see miracles happening all the time, and it's a really exciting time. And it's through all of that that we have find 
Barnabas. And I want to give you a little bit of an introduction to Barnabas. Now, for 10 points, can anyone tell me what Barnabas' real name is? Let's see, have we got any Bible scholars out there? Where's Mike? He normally knows. We'll find out in a minute. If, uh, if you can see it, you can get 10 points. But <laughs> my first point this morning is this, sold out. Sold out. And I believe Barnabas was a person who was sold out. And I'm going to tell you why now by reading Acts chapter 4, verse 32 to 37. And this is the introduction that we have to Barnabas and also to some of the different things that are going on. It says this, all the believers were united in heart and mind, and they felt that what they owned was not their own. So they shared everything they had. The apostles testified powerfully to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and God's great blessing was upon them all. There was no needy people among them, because those who owned land or houses would sell them and bring the money to the apostles to give to those in need. For instance, there was Joseph. This is Joseph, who was also referred to as Barnabas, because it says this, Joseph, the one the apostles nicknamed Barnabas. So it wasn't his name. It was a nickname that the apostles thought, you know what, Joseph, because of what you've done, we're going to call you Barnabas. And it says here why. So they gave him the nickname Barnabas, which means son of encouragement. In different translations and when you look in different places, it's also son of consolidation. What a nickname that is. You're right, son of encouragement. Can't even say it now. I've, I said it once. We can move on. It says he was from the tribe of Levi, and he came from the island of Cyprus. Good place to come from. And it says this, that Barnabas, or Joseph, depending on how literal you want to be, it says that he sold a field that he owned and brought the money to the apostles. So this is the introduction that we have to Barnabas. We don't know really exactly Obviously, we know where he came from. He came from Cyprus, but we don't know why he was in Jerusalem. We don't really know what brought him to that area. But what we do know is that he was around at this time where the Holy Spirit was working in many miraculous ways. And as we can see from that, that as a result of that, that Barnabas is so inspired by what God is doing that he's willing to go out and sell his field that he's got. And he brings the money and brings it to the apostles. Now, I don't know how much that field was worth. I don't know how big it was. Um, but we see the gift was so great that the apostles were willing to look at this guy and say, you know what, this guy's a bit of a legend. Joseph just isn't going to cut it anymore. We're going to call you Barnabas for what you've done. Legend. And we see that the apostles give Barnabas his, this nickname, Son of Encouragement. And we, we're going to look a little bit more as we go on this morning why he got this name of Son of Encouragement. But through this one act, it was so encouraging for the rest of the apostles. They were willing to give him this name change. And this is why I've brought this point this morning of sold out. He literally sold what he had so he could buy in, so he could give in to everything that God was doing at that time. And I think that's something that's really exciting. And this morning, we're looking at seven reasons why we need a Barnabas. But you can look at it from, from two ways this morning. You can look at it of seven reasons why I need a Barnabas in my life. But you also can look at it as, well, actually, here's seven reasons why I should be a Barnabas to someone else in their lives. And when I've been looking at the life of Barnabas and looking through it, there's some things I look at and I think, you know what, I can really relate to that. I feel like there's you know, certain aspects of his life that I can relate to. But then there's other parts I look at and you think, 
you know what, I could really grow in that area. I could really learn something here from Barnabas. So I want to encourage you as we go through these this morning, some of you might think, you know what, doing all right in that area, chick, tech. Um, And then some of you might be thinking, you know what, I could not be further from Barnabas right now. But wherever you are on the scale, wherever you are, I want to encourage you, be inspired this morning by Barnabas, be inspired by his life and be inspired by some of the actions that we see him do. And the reason that I've put it up here of sold out is because we need Barnabases around us. As a church, we need people who are sold out, who are willing to say, you know what, we're going to see this church built. That we're going to partner with Jesus in building his church and we're going to see the kingdom of God come to earth. And I really believe that each and every single one of us, we have a part to play in that. That God allows us to participate in this amazing thing that he's doing in the earth today. So I want to encourage you that as a body of people to be sold out for Jesus, to be sold out for building his kingdom. And we need people that are around us because first of all, as it said, like Barnabas, it encourages us. When we see people who are going for it for God, I know for me personally, it really inspires me. And you know, I can look around this room this morning, look at people's lives and say, it is amazing what you are doing. It is amazing how the Holy Spirit is working in your life. So I want to encourage you, keep going with that, keep being sold out, and be an encouragement to the people around you. So that's my first one this morning, sold out. Looking at the clock, so far so good. Number two, adventurer. I believe Barnabas was an adventurer. And we see from the introduction that we had from him that he was not from Jerusalem, but actually he was from Cyprus place of the sun and the beach, good place to be. But it says that that Barnabas had moved from Cyprus and was now in Jerusalem. And we see that he partners up with the apostles, he sells his field and starts traveling around with them. And one of the things that I love about Barnabas is that in some ways he was a bit of an outsider. He wasn't a Jew who was brought up in Jerusalem, but he came from a different place. And I believe because of that, he would have had a different perspective to the people around us. And you've probably maybe have found this in your own lives, that maybe when you go to work, when you go to school, when you're around different people, maybe from different cultures, from different backgrounds, we see that people see things in a different way to us. And sometimes cultures can collide, but then sometimes it can really inspire us to think in a different way. And I believe Bob Barnabas was a person who did this, that when he was with the apostles, that he would have brought something of himself, he would have brought something of his culture, and therefore help people see things in a different way. And one of the great ways that we like to mix as, as a church is through our small groups, and it's a great opportunity to meet with the church around the city, that we have small groups made up of lots of different people from lots of different backgrounds, different ages, different cultures, different parts of the city. I know Cheadle's a lot different than Stoke. You know, we can all mix together, and it's absolutely brilliant. And that's one way that we can all be Barnabas. That's all right, I've got a photo coming up. I was like, you're not laughing at that already, are you? But, ah, there you go. (laughs) So we're all different, and we can mix together, which is absolutely brilliant. And growing up, I used to have a friend called Kyle, and I've got a photo up, up here for you. And me and Kyle were quite different. We are chalk and cheese, a little bit younger there. I haven't got my long hair. It was somewhere between, between that stage. But this was a day where we decided to climb Snowdon. How many people here have climbed Snowdon? 
quite a few people. I know Tim's climbing three peaks next weekend. You've been training hard. You look ready to feel ready. Good. For me, when it comes to any sort of exhibition, exhibition, ex, that one. When it comes to any trip, <laughs> I like to plan. I like to have in my mind an idea of where we're going and what we're doing. That's me. I realize not everybody is like that. My friend Kyle here is very spontaneous and is very different to me. When we were growing up, we literally, I hadn't been driving long. We must have been maybe 17, 18 here. Kyle was staying over at mine one night and he said, oh, I know what, we should do something tomorrow. I'm like, yeah, cool. We can go to the park. You know, we can go to the cinema or something. He's like, let's climb Snowden. And I'm like, what? He's like, yeah, let's just go. Let's just drive and let's just climb Snowden. And I remember thinking, you ridiculous. So this was like half nine at night. So I get the laptop out and I'm Googling, right? I need a postcode. I need to know where I'm going. I don't even know where we park. So I remember looking online and I'm thinking like, we haven't got any like gear for this. Like people have died climbing this mountain. And, and we're like, should we just go? So we went and literally we turned up. We, I had my, my kind of board shorts on, my trainers. And literally the first people we saw were coming down the mountain. And these, you know, you get those serious walkers. You can normally tell because they've got a stick. If you've got a stick, you're a serious walker. And they had coats, they had bags. And I just remember thinking, we are so unprepared for this. But <laughs> it was, the only reason that we went was because of my friend Kyle. And for me at that point in my life, he was a real bonus. He was a person who had a sense of adventure about them, who said, you know what, let's just go. Let's just do this. Let's have some fun. Let's have an adventure and let's make a memory. And it's great that I've got this photo to remember it by of the time that we climbed Snowden. And we need people like that in our lives who sometimes will drag us along and say, come on, let's go on adventure. Come on, let's have a bit of fun. Come on, let's go where God is calling us to go. And we need people like that in our lives to give us a little kick every now and again. Give us that nudge and say, come on, let's go for it. Let's see what God wants to do through our lives. And we need people like that who have got that sense of adventure. So if I can encourage you, if you're one of those spontaneity people who just love to do things spare at the moment, for those of us that like to plan, give us a kick every now and again, and we'll send it back with, let's make a plan before we go. So there you go. Adventure. It's good. Barnabas the adventurer. My third point is this, believer. And this one, we're getting a little bit more serious now. <laughs> Can we ever be serious in church? I don't know. I struggle sometimes. but My third one is this, believer. And to introduce this next point, I need to give you a bit of an introduction to another character. And this character's name some of you might know him as Saul, and some of you may know him as Paul. And he was around the time when the apostles were doing the amazing works that they were doing. And when we read the introduction to Saul, we see that he was someone who was persecuting the church at that time. He'd been sent to literally root out Christians, break down churches, and in some cases, killed Christians, that he had a reputation for going around, finding these Christian cells, breaking them down, and literally stoning them to death because they were preaching the message of Christ, like some places around the world today, as I've already said. And we see this character, Paul, goes on an amazing journey of transfiguration, he has a transformation. And we see that at some point, 
on Paul, on Saul's journey on the road to Damascus, he has an encounter with Jesus, that Jesus stands literally before him and is blinded, and as a result, turns his entire life around, that he follows Jesus from that point on. So that's the introduction to Saul slash Paul, depending on which point of his life you are looking at. And the reason that I put this point up now of believer is because it's the point just after Paul has had this amazing transformation. It's the point just after that he's had salvation in his life. And I want to read this out. It's Acts chapter 9, verse 26 to 28. I think this is awesome. It says, when Paul arrived in Jerusalem, he tried to meet with the believers, but they were all afraid of him. They did not believe he had truly become a believer. The apostles could not believe that the power of Jesus could so transform somebody that they could turn away from a life of killing Christians to a life of loving Christians. And the apostles at the time must have thought, this is just one of Paul's tricks. This is just a little ruse that he's playing so that we'll all come and meet him and then he'll know where we are and he'll kill us all. So the apostles are literally living in fear of this man, Paul, that he is going to root them and find them and kill them. And we see here that, that when the apostles hear about this transformation that Paul's had, they said, no way, no way could he have become a believer. But there's one person who's willing to go and see Paul, and it's Barnabas. And it says this, then Barnabas brought him to the apostles. Can you imagine the apostles' reaction? Barnabas walked through the door, hiya guys, it's me, the son of encouragement. Look who I found out on the road. It's Paul. <laughs> and it says that Barnabas brought him to the apostles and told them how Saul had seen the Lord on the way to Damascus and how the Lord had spoken to Saul. He also told them that Saul had preached boldly in the name of Jesus in Damascus. So Saul stayed with the apostles and went all around Jerusalem with them, preaching boldly in the name of the Lord. Let me tell you now, we need people in our lives who are going to believe in us no matter what. And we need people around us who can see when we're on a journey, when we've grown, when we've come out maybe of a place of sin to a place of actually we're living wholly for God, that people will believe in us and go on that journey with us. And if Barnabas hadn't have got alongside Paul and said, you know what, Paul, I'm going to believe in you. I'm going to walk alongside of you. And I believe that God is doing a work in your life. If we do not have people like that around us, it's going to make our lives so much more difficult. And, you know, as a body of people, we can be that for others, that we can look at people's lives and say, you know what, I know you've had a bit of a rough time. I know things maybe haven't gone as you planned, but actually I want to encourage you that actually I can see that, that you're being obedient to the Holy Spirit, that you're putting principles in your life. I can see how God is growing you and developing you. And we need people like that who know us intimately. And it really does come down to people knowing us intimately because, you know, we can meet once a week on a Sunday, we can put on a smiley face, and we can never really know what's going on in people's lives. So for someone to have a relationship like Barnabas has with Paul, it only comes from spending time with people. It comes from meeting up with people and saying, you know what, how are you doing? You know, I know you've been struggling with this issue. How's that going? Is there anything I can do? Can I pray for you? 
You know, can we meet? Can we do something together? And I want to encourage you that, that you do that, that you meet up with people. I'm, I'm really bad at it, and I'm a bit ashamed of it sometimes. You know, I can be a bit of a lone wolf and kind of just get on with what I'm doing. And actually, I've recognized that actually we need to do that more. As Christians, we need to do that to be accountable to one another and say, you know, partner with people. So I'm going to say, Ben, is it all right over these summer holidays? Things are a little bit quiet. Is it all right if we go out for a coffee? Is that good? Awesome. Awesome. Costa? Costa or Starbucks? That's the question, isn't it? I was going to say, you know, the times that we live in, we've not only got Costa, we've got Starbucks. Praise Jesus. We've got the choice. You know, but Barnabas was someone, he believed in Paul. He believed in the journey that he was on and was willing to come alongside him. And, you know, I can remember when I was a young person myself, I can remember my youth pastor believing in me and encouraging me and kind of just strengthening me on that journey. I remember the first time I preached, I was so nervous. I'd, it wasn't even my own preach. I'd listened to a podcast, thought, that sounds good, and literally, word for word, transcribed it. Because I didn't know how to write a preach. I was like, I just need to get words and I remember him just encouraging me and coming alongside of me and just giving me that encouragement. And it's great, you know, that I can stand here today, you know, all these years later and know that because someone stood beside me back then that it's encouraged me and helped me come along. And that's, you know, on the youth team, that's what we try and do. You know, we just want to try and hang out with these guys and just encourage them in their faith where they're at. So we need believers in our lives as well as obviously believing in other people. My fourth Point is this, encourager. And as we've seen already, Barnabas was known as the son of encouragement. And in Acts chapter 11, verse 20 to 24, it says this. However, some of the believers who went to Antioch from Cyprus and Cyrene began preaching to the Gentiles about the Lord Jesus. The power of the Lord was with them, and a large number of these Gentiles believed and turned to the Lord. When the church at Jerusalem heard what had happened, they sent Barnabas to Antioch. When he arrived and saw this evidence of God's blessing, he was filled with joy. And he encouraged the believers to stay true to the Lord. Barnabas was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and strong in faith. And many people were brought to the Lord. And we can just leave that passage up there for a minute because I want to come back to it. We see here that this church in Antioch was doing really well. Amazing things were happened. It says that the Gentiles, so AKA anybody who wasn't a Jew, you were a Gentile, these Gentiles were coming to Christ. And the church in Jerusalem were like, this is awesome. God is doing something incredible in Antioch. So you know what? We need to send them some encouragement, send someone who can just carry on inspiring them to doing what they're doing. And it's Barnabas who has the privilege of being sent to the church. And one of the things that I love about Barnabas, that he doesn't turn up and say, it's all right, guys, I'm here. I've come to take over. It's all right. You've been doing a good job, but the apostle's here now. It's okay. You can, you can stand to one side now. You can let the professionals take over. We don't see that at all. And I love the heart and the spirit of Barnabas because it says that when he turned up, it says that he encouraged them. And it says, first of all, that Barnabas himself was filled with joy. He didn't see what was being outworked through the church in Antioch and think, oh, a bit good, it isn't, me, isn't God who's working through me. You know, I could have done a better job than that. You know, I'm an apostle, you know. <laughs> he doesn't have that attitude at all. It says when Barnabas arrived, he was 
filled with joy. And you know what? If we want to be a Barnabas to people and we want to have people around us who have got this characteristic of being a Barnabas, we need people who are going to have joy for us when things are going well in our life. We need to surround ourselves with people who say, you know what? When God's doing something amazing in your life, it encourages me, that it inspires me. When I see people growing in their faith, when I see ministries thriving, that actually, you know what, I've got joy for what's going on there. I'm so pleased for you. I'm so happy. I'm going to keep praying. I'm going to keep encouraging. And I'm going to keep helping in any way I can. So we see, first of all, that he was filled with joy. And it says, and he encouraged the believers to stay true to the Lord. So he didn't turn up and say, right, this is how you're going to do it from now on. This is my way of doing church. These are the songs we're going to sing in this order to this tune. But no, it says that he turned up and that he encouraged them to just stay true. What does that even mean? To, to just stay true. To just say, guys, keep doing what you're doing. God is working through you. Be encouraged. Know that you are in the center of God's will. That where you are right now is where God wants you to be. And that's what he does. He turns up and says, stay true. So what does he do then? So he's been sent. Has he just gone on his holidays? <laughs> What's Barnabas doing there? It says this, Barnabas was a good man. Man, when I die, I'd love that to be written on my team. So, Rob, he was a good man. I don't think it gets any better than that, does it? To be known as someone who is a good man or a good woman. And it says that Barnabas was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit. I think there's something in there. If we want to be a Barnabas, to just be full of the Holy Spirit and let God do the rest through us. But it's this last little bit. It says that he was full of the Holy Spirit and was strong in faith. And I believe that Barnabas was sent to the church of Antioch, which was quite a, a young church. It had not been planted for very long. I believe Barnabas was sent as a pillar. He was sent to be someone who could set an example of what it was to be a good man, full of the Holy Spirit, strong in faith. <laughs> that he went there to be an example to the other believers. It wasn't to turn up and say, right, this is how you do it, but actually to set that example to the other believers. And you know, it's great, as I said before, you know, that obviously Paul and Sarah are away this weekend, our senior pastors, but it encourages me when I can just hang around with Paul and Sarah and I can just listen to their heart and just learn from them. And you know, sometimes they don't even have to, to preach or kind of say, oh, we need to do this, this and this, but just to be around them and just watch the way that they outlive their lives and just watch the way, even just like the way that they are with grace and live. The, the, the way that they just model parenting, you know, that I can just watch and be like, you know what, there's something I can learn from, from just watching and observing. And I believe that's what Barnabas was sent to do. But it does also say, through him being there, that many people were brought to the Lord. So there was something about Barnabas's life that was attractive to other people, that it brought people to the Lord. So we need people who are going to be those encouragers, that son of encouragement. My next one, whatever it takes. We need some people who've got the attitude of whatever it takes. And after Barnabas had been at the Antioch church for a while, it says that they went and traveled to a lot of other churches. And he went with, the, with Paul, who got saved. They'd grown and formed a relationship. And it says that they went out and they traveled together. And some of the apostles, when they went to churches, they were 
given provision. That when they would turn up at a church, that the church would say, you know what, you can come stay with us. You know, we'll look after you. We'll give you some food. You know, some of the churches said, look, here's a gift to help you on your way, to help you on your journey and your traveling. And we see that, that with Barnabas and Paul, that when they turned up at a particular church, it wasn't the response they were expecting. And we're going to look in 1 Corinthians chapter 9. And it says this, this is my answer to those who question my authority. So right away, this, this letter's got a tone to it. And this is, the, this is the Apostle Paul talking. It says, this is my answer to those of you who question my authority. Don't we have the right to live in your homes and share your meals? Don't we have the right to bring a believing wife with us as the other, as the other apostles, the Lord's brothers do, and as Peter does? Or is it only Barnabas and I who have to work to support ourselves. So to backstep a little bit and to give you a little bit of insight, at this point, both Barnabas and Paul were working full-time, not for the church, but they were working to provide an income. And it says that the Apostle Paul was a tent maker, that that was one of the skills that he had. And through that work, he was able to support himself. And what we read later on in these letters, that the apostles, when they turned up, and the reason they did this, and this is their response to why, it says that we may cause no hindrance to the good news of Christ. Both the Apostle Paul and the Apostle Barnabas had the attitude of, you know what, no matter what it takes, we are going to preach the gospel. You know, if we have to make tents, we will make tents so that we can provide for ourselves, so we can share the message of Jesus. If it means that we don't get married and we almost kind of say, you know what, I'm not going to get married for this season, or I'm not going to get married at all, so that I can focus on preaching the message of Christ, then that's what it's going to take. Whatever it takes, we are going to see the message of Christ preached. And I love that, that attitude, that determination of whatever it takes. And we need that. We need people around us who are willing to say, you know what, it doesn't matter how much it's going to cost. It's been great with the, the cafe that is a church that we've given into that. And we've obviously we've been able to have some professionals come and do some work. But then also as a church, we said, you know what? I'm happy to paint whatever it takes. I'm happy to pick up a brush and make this cafe done as quickly as we possibly can to have the attitude of whatever it takes. My next one, and maybe a bit of a controversial one, is this, agree to disagree. And for any of you who know the story of the Apostle Paul, I'm just going to say Paul and Barnabas. I keep saying Apostle. I'm like taking more time. Right? We see that at one point in their journey, they have a disagreement. And I've got a snippet for you of, of this, this disagreement up for you. And I'm so glad that this is in the Bible because it shows even the very early church leaders had disagreements from time to time. And it says this, after some time, Paul said to Barnabas, let's go back and visit each city where we previously preached the word of the Lord to see how the new believers are doing. Barnabas agreed and wanted to take along John Mark, but Paul disagreed strongly since John Mark had deserted them in Pamphylia and had not continued with them in their work. Their disagreement was so sharp that they separated. Barnabas took John Mark with him and sailed for Cyprus, and Paul chose Silas, and as he left, the believers entrusted him to the Lord's gracious care. We see here that, that Paul and Barnabas have a disagreement for 
a little bit of backstory. John Mark, who is the cousin of Barnabas, had come on a journey with them at one point, and partway through that journey said, you know what, it's got a bit too much, I'm going back to Jerusalem, and leaves them in the middle of this exhibition, there you go, (laughs) on their travel, (laughs) leave them and go home. And we see here that, that when they go on their journey, that Paul says, no, I'm not taking John Mark because he's just in a desert again. But Barnabas being, I believe, the person that he was of someone who was a believer, someone who was an encourager, saw that actually God was still doing something in John Mark's life, but it just needed cultivating. It just needed growing a little bit. And it says that they separated their ways. And I believe we can learn something so crucial in here because we all obviously believe the Bible. And as assemblies of God, we have a doctrine that we follow as a church. But I'm sure each of us might have slightly different theological views, that we might not always view things exactly the same. And the reason that I've put this up here of agree to disagree is because sometimes in church life, there's just certain things we just need to put to one side and say, you know what, there's a bigger picture here. And I believe both Paul and Barnabas We're like, this isn't worth falling out over. You know, one of them could have said, oh, well, forget it then. I'm just going to sit back. You can go off. I'm going to stay here and have a jolly. We don't see that at all. It says they separated their ways, but they both carried on building the kingdom of God. They didn't just say, well, stuff it then. If you're not going to think exactly the same way as me, you can forget it. No, it says, well, actually, you know, let's keep going on, going on. And later on, we see that actually the apostle Paul calls for John Mark later on in his life and says, you know what, when he's in prison, he says, John Mark, come see me. And we see that relationship is, is fixed later on. But we need to learn that to agree to disagree, that when we don't see things eye to eye, we say, well, actually, you know what, we're bigger than this, that actually we know that actually it's all about Jesus and that, you know what, when we get to heaven, we'll find out who was right and who was wrong. But until then, we're going to carry on doing what we're doing to agree to disagree. <laughs> You can see me afterwards if you want to have words. Okay, last one then. Number seven. Seventh reason why we need a Barnabas. And it's, it's very similar to my first one. It's this. Still sold out. The New Testament doesn't actually record how Barnabas died. It doesn't say what happened to him at the end of his life. But what we see through the book of Acts and many of the other books, that many of the disciples and many of the apostles were martyred for their faith, that they were stoned and they were killed for their belief in Jesus. And even though it doesn't say that Barnabas was martyred for his faith, it's widely believed and New Testament scholars believe that that's probably what would have happened to him. And I want to encourage you that throughout our lives, And throughout everything that happens, that we stay sold out. That no matter what life throws at us, no matter what difficulties may come at us in our lives, that we stay sold out no matter what the cost. And again, this is one of the things that encourages me of being in a church is that there are people older than me. That there are people who spiritually have been around a lot longer than me. And it encourages me to see it when people say, you know what, I've been a Christian for 40 years. I've been a Christian for 50 years. You know, I've been in a Christian for 60, 70, 80 years. And it encourages me to see people who are still sold out and say, you know what, I'm going to keep following Christ. It's not going to be easy. I might get persecuted for my faith. It might not be smooth sailing. But you know what, I'm going to keep going on. I'm going to keep going because actually I know that at the end of this, there's something great to come. 
So there's seven reasons why, first of all, we need a Barnabas in our lives. But then seven reasons as well how we can be a Barnabas to others. And as I said, you know, there's some things in there that might relate to you. Some things that you think, you know what, I'm doing some of those things. But then some of the areas you're thinking, I could really step up and do that. So my takeaway this morning for, for something that you can do this week. First one is if you want a Barnabas in your life, if you want someone to come alongside you, the first thing I want you to do is pray. Pray that God would send somebody along who would partner with you and form this relationship. And what quite happen, what quite often might happen when you pray that prayer is that God will point somebody out in your life who's already around you and you've just not recognized it. You've, you've had someone maybe already around you and you thought, why, why have I never spoken to them? Why have I never said, Ben, let's go out for a coffee. Let's hang out, let's chat, let's, let's form this relationship, let's go deeper, let's be accountable. So pray for God to highlight someone in your life or to send someone along. Second takeaway is to form that relationship. It doesn't happen on its own. You have to be intentional. You have to pick up the phone. You have to say, come on, let's meet up, let's do this. Let's go on an adventure. And the last takeaway, if you've maybe already got a Barnabas or a number of Barnabas figures in your life, is to look for someone who you can be a Barnabas to. You know, through maybe your small group, through the ministries that you serve on, there might be people who you interact with who you could partner with, that you could come alongside and just encourage them to be a model and a role figure in their lives but just to encourage them and say, keep doing what you're doing. I can see God is working through your life. So just as we come to a, a close this morning, I want to pray. And there might be some of you who've been sitting here this morning thinking, you know what, Rob, this is a great idea. I love the, the idea of having somebody in my life who can come alongside me, who can encourage me, but I'm new to this. I, you know, I wouldn't even necessarily call myself a Christian. I, I wouldn't even know what that means. This morning, I believe God gives every single one of us an opportunity to step into a relationship with him. Through Jesus' death on the cross, he gave us and gives us an opportunity to respond to him. And if you're sitting here this morning and think, you know what, I would love to become a part of the body of Christ. I would love to be a part of what God is doing and have a family come around me and encourage me, then I want to give you that opportunity this morning. So just while everybody's eyes are closed this morning, everyone's heads are bowed, I'm going to pray a prayer. And if you want that this morning, you can pray that prayer in your heart. I'm going to give you an opportunity to respond so that we can come and speak to you afterwards. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, we want to thank you for sending your son. Thank you for sending Jesus to the cross so that he could die for our wrongdoings, that we could be forgiven for our sins and be adopted into your family. So this morning, Jesus, I accept you into my life. I invite you into my heart and I ask you to forgive me for all the things that I've got wrong. This morning, Jesus, I choose to be a part of your family. So just while everyone's eyes are closed, if you prayed that prayer this morning for the first time, that you've never prayed that before, I want you to do something really brave. And I just want you to just raise your hand. It doesn't even have to be high, just a little bit up. And the welcome team would love to just come and speak with you afterwards, to pray with you. 
just encourage you where you're at. If that's you this morning, if you've never prayed that prayer before, to encourage you, just raise your hand. I'd love to just come and pray with you. Jesus, we thank you. Thank you for your goodness. Thank you for who you are in our lives. Amen. Amen. So as you go this week, have a look out for those Barnabases. Think about who you can be a Barnabas to. And go grab a coffee with someone. Thank you.